There is an association between good management and organizational outcomes. I think it's entirely understandable that there are calls for uh, regulation of managers. I would say really focusing on your people. This is the National Health Executive Podcast, bringing you views, insight and conversation from leaders across the health sector. Presented by Louis Morris. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Anthony Painter, who is the Director of Policy and External Affairs at the Chartered Management Institute. So firstly, I'd just like to clarify and I guess set the ground rules for management, because to me, it's quite a self-explanatory term, but at the same time, it's quite ambiguous. So just to be clear, how would you define management in the NHS? What positions would you deem as management? I would define it more by what people do than what their job title is. And uh, this is really important. There'll be lots of people across the NHS who have um, the word manager in their job title and they will be managers. But there are also lots of people, whether they're nurses, consultants, um, GPs, right across the system who have management responsibilities. And what that involves is managing other people, managing their their, their performance, their their well-being, their development, managing processes and systems um, to you know improve diagnostics or and uh, treatment of pain or um, or treatment pathways, and there will be people um, who um, manage major complex organisations such as uh, ICBs, NHS trusts, all of whom have management. Um, responsibilities and skills within their job descriptions. I would define all those different people as being managers, whether they have the word manager in their job title or not. It's more than just a title, it's more what you do in the role and how you help. Yes, and what that starts to do is it starts to define management in the NHS as a particular set of standards and skills. Now, the NHS is very reliant on highly qualified people at all levels. Um, And as the Charter Management Institute, we are very keen to see people in management with managerial responsibility, having particular sets of skills and capabilities demonstrated and trained uh, and recognised. So when you start to talk about management as a set of skills and capabilities, that takes you into a very different conversation around what you do with respect to just a certain category of roles within the NHS and the wider care system. You mentioned these type of skills. So I guess for the non-believers amongst our listeners, how does management help in the NHS? Why is it so important? Does it help patients? Does it help staff? Does it help senior leaders even? There is an association um, between... Uh, uh, good management and organisational outcomes in the NHS, just as there is elsewhere. In fact, we worked with the Social Market Foundation on uh, a report into the state of uh, management and leadership in the NHS and what should be done about that. One thing that was found, by the way, is that 27% um, of managers in the NHS thinks that think the leadership in their organisation is not effective, which also is very worrying in and of itself not least because the research shows um, that if you have above um, average leadership and management in your organisation, 
you're far more likely or three times more likely to be uh, a highly performing NHS organisation than if you have a less than average um, level of the quality of management and leadership in your organisation. So this this really matters. Um, and it, it matters across a number of different dimensions. It matters for healthcare outcomes. It matters for um, patients. Um, it matters for staff and their uh, uh, well-being. Um, uh, and it matters for those in positions of management, in management and leadership themselves, because you want to be part of a, uh, of a burgeoning and successful organisation that is delivering on its, um, on its mission. So uh, I would say, actually, the importance of management and leadership, it is recognised um, within, within government and across the NHS. There's no doubt about that. Um, but maybe isn't given quite the attention and focus that it maybe should be, given how important it is. You mentioned some of your research there. Would you be able to share any, I guess, practical examples of, I guess, good management in action, where it has helped and how it has helped really drive patient outcomes, maybe? Yeah, I can give a number of different examples. In fact, there are a number of different case studies in the report, of, you know, an organisational and, you know, an individual um, sort of um, a treatment, a clinical area level as well. You know, we have... Painside and Glossop Integrated Care Trust, and part of their journey from uh, inadequate to good in the CQC rating was setting clear priorities, setting clear goals to um, develop their sort of middle management um, to get the right people in place to to, to manage change, to be, build trust, and ensure that managers and leaders across the organisation, when it, whether in clinical or non-clinical roles were visible and engaged. And that was a critical part of their transition to um, a, a good CQC uh, rating. We also had a look at, you know, Leeds Teaching Hospitals Trust. Again, um, you know, massive improvement. Um, and the trust went from sort of bottom 20% of NHS employers to the top 20% in terms of staff um, engagement and, and, and well-being. Good outcomes, again, on, on, on CQC. And part of that was implementing a different style of management that was more visible, flatter structure, there was greater autonomy for individual teams, training at every level, and ensuring there was a range of different experiences available to, to, to the trust. And again, that was transformational over a period of time. So, you know, we see constant examples. And the thing that you, that's really notable about these examples is how quick the change can be. So, you know, for example, the NHS obviously had its workforce development plan agreed by government recently. That is a change that will take place over a decade, decade and a half. The examples that I've just um, just given you, actually, we see change in, you know, two, three, four years. So it can be a rapid way of improving organisational outcomes, patient outcomes, um, care quality. There's an example, actually, we provide something called the Chartered Manager Award, which um, recognises those those managers which apply um, the critical skills of high quality management in their workplace, not just in the NHS, but across um, sectors and indeed um, industries. We have awards for those who have made transformational change on the back of their chartered manager knowledge and, and application. So Professor Goodwin Simon from the Medway NHS Trust um, basically accounted for the change that he's seen in his team. I've improved the quality of care by reducing avoidable cardiac arrests by 90%, improved clinical governance by reducing the response time for complaints and serious incidents, 
of expanding consultant and the junior doctor workforce with improvement in working environment, better staff morale and improvements in staff feedback. So what you're seeing here is the sort of critical practices of high quality management, engaging your staff, getting the right people in place, developing them, um, getting better processes in place, um, implementing it over time, building trust. And then he goes on to say, you know, with improved clinical engagement, job planning and deployment of workforce, there's a reduction in referral to treatment weight with 33% reduction in um, gastroenterology, 55% reduction in cardiology and 90% reduction in uh, neurology. So it's not just about sort of having an improved working environment and that's critically important. It's about seeing massively improved outcomes in, in NHS and care settings. That means improvements in health outcomes. And for our listeners that are NHS managers or perhaps fall into that bracket of some descript, um, you, you may have answered this already just then, because I was going to ask what are the hallmarks, the key hallmarks of effective management, but I might change it slightly to what would you say are the things in management that they should avoid, people should avoid, that, what is poor management? Poor management is not doing the right things, and, and doing the right things are being there for your staff, knowing your organisation, knowing your team, knowing your area, Um, listening, engaging, challenging where necessary, setting clear goals and targets and ensuring there are mechanisms in place to help people deliver and ensure that they are are delivered. It means um, managing yourself um, and so you can manage your, your, your emotions, you can engage with others effectively, you can improve yourself and your skill set over time. It means collaborating, thinking beyond team or departmental or organisational boundaries. It means being aware of the things that can really improve outcomes and performance in your area, the technologies that might make a difference, how they might be implemented uh, effectively, thinking creatively, problem solving, being there at critical moments. All of these things are the characteristics of good management and the, the corollary is bad management doesn't give any attention or importance to those things. And so recently we we actually launched a major piece of national research on um, the difference that um, good managers can make. And it's quite striking. Um, this was a, a survey of two and a half thousand workers and two and a half thousand managers, across, again, across all sectors. But um, if you've got an effective manager, you are likely 15% of those in effect, ineffective manager feel valued and appreciated versus 72% with an effective manager. 77% of those in effective manager feel motivated to do a good job. Only 34% with an ineffective manager feel motivated to do a good job. Um, 68% with an effective manager recommend their organization is a good place to work. Only 21% with an ineffective uh, manager. would agree that the organisation has a good company culture if they have an effective manager. And those that have an ineffective manager, only 22% would agree that their organisation has a good organisational culture. So you can see across the board the difference this makes. And you put that in the context of of, of a hospital, GP surgery, a care home. And anybody who knows anything about those sorts of organisations will understand that that sort of boost to morale um, and the difference that that can make on a day-to-day basis to everybody involved, staff, patients, wider stakeholders, it's really important. I mean, based on the figure you just quoted there, it does really seem incredibly important. 
So how would you say the NHS should go about recruiting, I guess, good managers? Is it about cherry picking good leaders from elsewhere or fostering from them from within? How would you say the NHS should go about that? Because the NHS recruitment is a huge topic at the moment. Yes, it is. Management is a set of um, general skills. You can identify what makes good management that cuts across all sectors. And that might lead you to think, okay, well, you could just find good managers from other sectors and just bring them in and then everything would be okay. But actually, you need to have the contextual knowledge and understanding too. So I think my inclination would be for the NHS to try and identify those with with interest in developing managerial skills and expertise and give them that support and training to do so. By the way, across the country, 82% of people become managers having had no formal training or skills uh, in being a manager. And as hopefully I've articulated it is a set of definable skills and behaviours that are absolutely critical and a set of values under underpinning that. You've got to have an inclusive mindset. You've got to be ethical. And obviously, that's a very important part of the discussion at the NHS. And I'm sure we'll, we'll come on to that. But I think I would look within the workforce for where those who um, have expressed an interest, whether they're in a, a clinical or non a clinical setting to give them the the tools, the knowledge, the skills, the capabilities and application that they need. The, the vast majority of the future managers in the NHS workforce are going to emerge through the, um, the NHS um, itself. So that's where I would concentrate. And I think, in fact, that was the main sort of approach of the messenger review, which obviously um, was, was published uh, just over a year or so ago was thinking about how to develop the quality of the management workforce within the NHS and management within uh, the NHS. And that seems like the sensible starting point overall. Now, NHS managers are quite topical at the moment. I believe there's been um, some recent calls for higher or more regulation of NHS managers. I think the Labour Party wrote to the NHS Confederation last month, asking them to contribute to its review of frameworks and regulations. So I guess my question is, one, do you support that there should be more regulation for managers? And if so, how do you think that should look? I think, obviously, we had the um, awful situation with um, Lucy uh, Let Be, and I I don't want to preempt anything within uh, the uh, inquiry, um, but obviously it did raise a number of issues. Professional regulation and validation is a very important part of um, the health and care system with a whole series of regulatory bodies involved with that that tends to focus in the main on clinical staff. So obviously there have been wider calls for should managers uh, have similar sort of accreditation or regulation. I think that makes some sense. Um, At the end of the day, for the reasons that I've expressed, managers are deeply and intimately involved, whether clinical or non-clinical, in healthcare outcomes and the decisions they make are critical if they're not listening to whistleblowers, for example, if they're not listening to um, feedback within the organisation, if they're not investigating properly um, where there may um, on, on occasion be malpractice, then that is deeply, deeply, deeply problematic. And, you know, those managers that don't fulfil their duties and responsibilities to patients and the wider public, as well as to organisational self-interest, are not encompassing the whole range of those characteristics of a good manager or what it means to be an ethical manager in a context of health and care. And so I, I think it's entirely understandable 
that there are calls for uh, regulation of managers within um, the NHS system. I think it should be explored further. Now, I don't think it's stopped there. And I think in your question, you reference the frameworks and, and regulation. I think frameworks are also important. I think you know we need to raise the overall level of training and knowledge uh, across managers of all different types and leaders um, within the NHS and even greater focus on that. I think you know, a, a sort of national framework of management quality, a curriculum that flows from that and an expectation that those in management and positions will have engaged with that curriculum and proven their proficiency in context um, uh, in relation to that curriculum is important. I think it's important that uh, those that oversee the NHS in different forms, whether it's on a, a local regional basis in the case of uh, ICBs or NHS England, and obviously the Care Quality Commission itself, ensure that there's follow through on that upskilling and uptraining of the NHS uh, management uh, workforce. I know, you know, not just the messenger review, I know there's a lot of focus on that in the NHS at the moment. So it, it's not like I'm suggesting something that isn't in motion. It is in motion and we can get a good, a good sense of that. But I think it's important to think through this comprehensively across the piece. So that sort of, you know, professional regulation piece um, is entirely understandable and no doubt welcome. But beyond that, there's much more that needs need, needs to be done to ensure that, that we see good quality management and leadership in living and breathing form, not just in, in technical and regulatory form across all NHS organisations. Now, of course, your role at the Chartered Management Institute has, of course, shaped your views on all things management within NHS. You've mentioned some of the national research you've been doing recently already, but could you tell us a little bit more about the work you've been doing at the CMI? We ultimately, we're the Chartered Pressure Body for Management and Leadership. So uh, th- that's why we exist. You know, we're, we're a charity that's been around for about 75 uh, years. We define a set of professional standards that relate to modern, high-quality management and leadership. And um, We provide qualifications in that sphere, and we provide membership um, and a whole series of accredited awards from you know, charter management degree apprenticeships, which, by the way, have been deployed quite extensively in the NHS to the charter management award itself. So that's that's basically we, we exist to um, promote um, high quality in management and leadership within um, public services and, and, and the wider economy. So, of course, that's how we come at this. And we're not naive about that. We don't think that management leadership alone is a magic bullet to all the problems that are faced within the NHS and, and elsewhere. In fact, there was a great report that I read this morning from the Institute for Government that you know, maps out the current state of public services, including health and social care, and, and points to some very deep fractures and structures and foundational challenges um, in terms of investment, resources, access to quality technology, the right workforce, as well as high quality staff and leadership. And all, all, you know, it's a whole panoply of different challenges that public services currently face. They identify management leadership in the NHS, by the way, as, 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 uh, as something which is, is, needs critical further development as well in the same way. Um, that, that that we do. So we're not alone in, in focusing on this and we don't focus on management and leadership alone. It's part of a bigger piece. We need sufficient resources in our health and care system um, and we need high quality, innovative, increasingly productive people and resources 
um, in our health and and care um, system. So that's how we approach this. And we you know, we do deep research. We we um, come up with policy ideas. Um, we engage with policymakers, uh, media, and you know sectoral leadership, including in the NHS um, it, it itself in order to work with others to see that high quality and management leadership can make a difference alongside lots of other things. So that's how we approach things. We see ourselves very much part of a wide public conversation, but we just like to ensure that there is the right focus on this particular but critical element um, that we need to really zero in on um, as we think about the next five and 10 years of the future of the UK, um, its health, its well-being, its economic welfare. Now, throwing back to everything that's been said already today and perhaps things that haven't been said, if I asked you to give one piece of advice to an NHS manager listening who wants to improve the service delivery, improve patient outcomes, all that sort of stuff, what would you say? And what would you say actually as a second part to that question to a senior leader looking to recruit an effective manager? I would say really focusing on your people. That's the element that's going to determine the outcomes that your patients face and ensure that they have the knowledge, skills and to deliver and that they are cared for and supported as well as challenged in the right ways in doing that. You'll discover talent you didn't know that you had, capabilities you didn't know existed. And by focusing and zeroing in on that, you will see change that happens far more rapidly than you dared hope for. And the second part of your question? What would your key piece of advice would be to a senior leader looking to recruit or foster a good, effective manager? Look inside first. See where you've got people that have the aptitude, the the nice, the desire to manage and lead effectively, support them in their um, development uh, and where there's still gaps. Make sure that when you recruit people into management positions or positions that require management capability, they have those capabilities and test them. There's always, you know, a, a tendency in any job interview to um, ask around, you know, the sort of technical aspects uh, of the work. Do they know the job? Do they know the area? Have they got the knowledge base that enable them to succeed and thrive? And of course, all that's massively important. And a bit around how do you manage, you know, people, processes, systems tends to be a sort of bolt-on question at the end. Give that a bit more importance because the two things matter together, technical capability and management expertise. And when you combine those, that's when you see real change um, and improvement. I mean, they do say it is a typical saying that I hear that NHS and the healthcare in general is a people facing, it's people's business. Obviously, there's more to the NHS than just people treating the patients, but fundamentally, it is a patient facing job. The more I talk to people about the NHS, it seems that that works both for staff as well as the patients. They have to, I guess, think about them too. I think that's, a, that's an exceptionally shrewd observation. You know, staff have to feel a sense of belonging. You know, a sense that you care about them, a sense that their voice matters, a sense that they they are supported to improve um, and develop. And if you do all those things in the right ways, they then will provide better care for patients. And you know what? You, know, you constantly hear a refrain around sort of red tape and management being sort of 
uh, almost identified as exactly the same thing with the NHS. It's the managers with the with the clipboard, you know, ticking boxes, whatever, and that's a burden on on everyone. Managers experience that sense of um, of, of red tape and bureaucratic overload uh, as well. And in fact, the survey that um, we did with with SMF found about sixty percent of managers feel that there are organizational obstructions to then doing the, their, their best job possible, including red um, red tape. So I think we need to start to separate this notion that red tape and management are, are exactly the same thing, that, that there is red tape and bureaucracy, but the best management doesn't approach change in that sort of very bureaucratic way. It approaches it in a more agile, problem-solving, people-focused way. That's what the best of modern management does, underpinned by ethics and the sense of a need to include as many as possible and as long as we think about management in those ways then we can see real change and those examples that I gave you all approach in those ways you know um, lead teaching hospital trust we've seen it um, actually in North Staffordshire NHS Trust half of whom the leadership team actually are uh, a charter managers Royal Berkshire NHS Trust and others you care to mention, when they see management as a dynamic, problem-solving, people-focused um, discipline that requires deep knowledge of the area, it operates in, that works in collaboration with others, and it's focused on outcomes relentlessly over time. That's when you see real um, service improvements. Now, if some of our listeners would like to carry this conversation on, where should they find your work and they find you? What should they do? Come to our website, managers.org.uk. All the resources I've discussed that we've published are there, so have a look there. If you want to find me um, individually, um, I'm on I'm on LinkedIn and um, Twitter is Anthony um, Painter, and you know always love hearing from people and you know either in furious agreement or, or or constructive disagreement. So please do get in touch. That was the National Health Executive Podcast. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time. You've been listening to the National Health Executive Podcast. Don't forget to like and subscribe to make sure you receive every new edition.